When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> swallow this. Hello, welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave, and I'm one of the two hosts of this luxurious podcast. Oh, hello, and I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this luxurious podcast. Think of me as Dorothy to Dave's Toto. I've got some snazzy, shiny red shoes, and he's my furry little companion. I'm always the sidekick, aren't I? (laughs) The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And, of course, we quite often drift off and talk about other things, just life in general, and sometimes other movies. Mm -hmm, We do that. We also like to drop some spoilers because we talk about lots of films. So if we talk about a film you haven't seen or you don't know anything you know about, have you thought about DJing? Just go away, (laughs) learn how to be a DJ. Very quick, I believe. Come back, listen to the rest of the episode, and it's all going to be fine. Because on today's episode... We are joined by Chris Hewitt. Chris is a brilliant film writer. He writes for Empire magazine, and I'm sure you'll recognise his voice as the brilliant host of the Empire Film Podcast. Yeah, we're very excited to sit down with Chris and chat all things sequels with him. These are Chris Hewitt's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Do you remember the first sequel that you watched when you were young? Or one you got really excited about when you were in your younger days? Holy cow, that's a good question. God, probably. Oh my God, uh, Aliens. Really? Yeah, Aliens is the first one that pops into my head because I would have been about nine or ten when Aliens came out. So it was 1986, so it probably came out in video around about the tail end of 86 or early 87. And I was much too young to watch it, but watch it I did yeah. uh, numerous times. So that was what I was massively excited about. I don't remember whether I had seen Alien, although I think I had at that point. My parents didn't care, uh, which is uh, which will become abundantly clear about <laughs> my viewing choices. I'm so jealous of all these parents that didn't care about ratings yeah. and just let yeah. you watch whatever. They, they didn't They didn't care. They were bringing me to the video store. What do you want? I want that. Okay, that's, a, that's an 18. It's fine. You go get it. And my dad would have got it for me. Um, I remember running down my grandmother, my mum and dad's hometown of Portadown in Northern Ireland to go and buy the Aliens special edition when I came out and I was only about, what, 12 or so and they just sold it to me in the shop so they did you know they didn't really mind back then so yeah i would say that would be one of the first ones that i was really really aware of properly aliens but you can't remember watching aliens so did you were you anticipating it or did you just go i wonder what this is it sounds cool i must have i must have seen alien i must have done because i must have been excited about it um, yeah. because i was waiting for it to come out and uh, i remember the day it did come out in my hometown of Banbridge in Northern Ireland, we went around 
different video stores because it was it was booked out it was rented out it was so popular and we had to go to like this was back in the day when a small town could sustain four four video stores uh <laughs> and we went to the fourth and my dad had to sign up to be a member of this place because they had a, a copy of aliens <laughs> and i think i don't think it's quite like i remember watching commando around the same time <laughs> again parents just did not give a shit uh, and uh, I remember watching Commando six times in one day because we had to get it back to the video store so we were just me and my friends were like this is the greatest film of all time this is incredible we must watch this as often as we possibly can so yeah but Aliens wasn't quite like that although I, I you know that was the first one I remember salivating over Aliens mm. but there would have been other ones you know my, I grew up with my dad watching lots of war movies and uh, westerns and detective thrillers so i would have been aware of the the good the bad and the ugly the 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 dollars trilogy i would have probably seen those around that time i would have seen at least two or three of the dirty harry sequels you know some magnum force and sudden impact and the enforcer Mm. and things like that i wouldn't have known which order they came in deadpool wasn't made by that point but you know i would have i would have seen them um so things like that and uh and war movies i would have seen the the, would i have seen the, the dirty dozen the next mission because I don't think that was made until 1987. But something, stuff like that, Magnificent Seven, yeah. right again, things like that. So I was I was aware of the concept of sequels by a very early age. So, so you you get excited by them. That's not meant to sound rude. Um, <laughs> Do I find them sexually gratifying? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the promise inherent in the Magnificent Seven, right again, was not fulfilled, I have to, I have to say. <laughs> but what can you do? Um, uh, the Dirty Dozen, the next mission isn't quite as sorted as it sounds. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I did. I, I'm, I, I, you know, I just, from a very early age, Police Academy was the movie I watched most when I was a kid growing up. Star Wars. I, every time someone asks me one of these questions, I forget about Star Wars, which is, <laughs> you know, until until the MCU came along for me, the greatest of all franchises. Yeah. Mm. Of course, Empire Strikes Back. I remember going to see Empire Strikes Back. I remember going to see Return of the Jedi in the cinema in 1983. So there you go. That predates Aliens. Return of the Jedi in 1983 and being massively excited about it. And going to see Superman 3 in the same year and being massively Amazing. excited about that. Like, you know, cinema trips that were that were huge for me. Uh, it's all so coming back now. It's all coming back to me. Like Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me now. And <laughs> I, I just, I remember... I, I just love sequels. I love things that continue the story. And, you know, as a kid, you you have no quality threshold. So Superman 4 is as good as <laughs> Superman 2, which, of course, is not the case now. But, I could I could defend Superman 3, but Superman 4... Superman 3, I could talk to you all day about. If you want to do a podcast on Superman 3, we'll do a podcast on Superman 3. But Superman 4, no. No. Yeah, we've had that as someone's worst sequel, haven't we, Dave? Yeah, it was yeah. truly abysmal. I've it never is. seen it before, really. Oh, it's, a lot of Milton Keynes in the A lot Superman of Milton Keynes. <laughs> More than you would expect in a Superman movie. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Twinned with Metropolis. Me and Dave live very close to Milton Keynes, and I've sat there watching it going, that's the bus station. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that's not the UN, that's the bus station. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I've been watching a lot of, uh, I think I can pull back the curtain on this, no one cares. Um, it's uh, we, we just did a ranking. We do this thing in the magazine called The Ranking, where we, we take a yeah. front franchise or a director's work and we uh empire magazine in case people don't know who i am and um we we rank them and we recently did in fact yesterday we did the planet of the apes we did all nine planet of the apes movies Brilliant. so i revisited uh all the planet of the apes movies for that and i hadn't seen the original sequels for a long time like 30 years because i'm very old and 25 30 years and uh i was surprised it's a superman 4 syndrome of 
the budget just stops. You can see <laughs> yeah. it. You can you can almost feel the day that the uh, the studio bean counter goes up to the director and go, no, can't do that. You want a, You want an ape army? We've got four disgruntled extras. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and Superman Four is very much like that, sadly. Yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah, absolutely. So, what are all the Planet of the Apes ones now? There's Conquest. There's Battle. There's well, Underneath. Is there? Well, Dave. Well, Dave. You're, you're talking to an expert now. I'm well versed in these movies. So there's Brilliant. Planet of the Apes, obviously. Then there's yep. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, That's which is a utterly bonkers retread until it isn't and then it becomes the most bleak and nihilistic thing you've ever seen that ends with everybody dying on the planet like everyone just as a cataclysmic explosion uh, wow. started by charlton heston spoiler alert then there's escape from the planet of the apes where they managed to have roddy mcdowell and kim hunter's chimpanzees get into a spacecraft off screen at the end of beneath and then they travel okay. back in time to print to present day earth uh, and that's really bleak as well. And then there's Conquest, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And then it ends with Battle for the Planet of the Apes. But that's really Battle for the Budget of the Planet of the Apes because that's <laughs> the one where they just they have no money left whatsoever. So did you include the remake in this ranking as well? I did. Yeah, I did. Not as bad as I remember. Rich is a big defender of the, uh, the, uh, the remake. I've, I've had a lot of shade in this podcast for defending the uh, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. And it's not necessarily I defend it, because I know it's not a great movie, but no. I just quite liked it. It's it was, fine. I found it, you know, the costumes are good. You know, it's not it's not horrific. No it's, one died. It's all right. To my knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're, we're good. It's it's possibly the worst one, but that's fine. It's, it's okay. It's not the worst one. I'm telling you, it's not the worst one. <laughs> I've not seen the. I've not seen the, uh, most of the older sequels. I think I've seen the second sequel, but I don't see, I think I've seen any of that. I can tell you which ones are which. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. I could do a PowerPoint right now if you wanted to. But there's, uh, there's uh, beneath the Planet of the Apes is for me the worst one. This I'm not saying that's where it came in the Empire ranking. Oh yeah, People yeah. will have mm-hmm. to find out for themselves when they read the magazine or uh, maybe one day listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm a bit. I'm a bit. Uh, Flaky when it comes up to putting those as podcasts, but you know it's it's fine, it's fine. But yes, the beneath is terrible. Do you still get the exi- same excitement uh, with sequels now than you did like previously? Still yes. not to sound rude, uh, no, as, no. In, as in your job. <laughs> yes, yes, I do, I do. Uh, Good because yeah, well, if, if I didn't, I'd be in, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> Quite yeah, frankly, yeah. Uh, no, I do. I think I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a is a, an extraordinary creation, and I get excited for each new instalment. Uh, massively so I think you know we have an example in cinemas right now of a truly great sequel which surpasses the original which is Top Gun Maverick uh, and not just yeah. for my money not just surpasses the original by by a, by a narrow margin but by a huge great big whacking country mile I'm really glad you didn't say Jurassic World Dominion then because uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing is you know everyone's it's like it's like opinions from like assholes everybody's got one you know there will be someone out there who will defend Jurassic World Dominion oh, and say yeah. it's the best one and say it's better than the original there are five place, star you know, reviews out there for it um, no they're not I don't, know, not, I don't yeah. know what they're you've watching just, you've but... just made that up <laughs> that's a claim you can't back up with science. I guarantee if you google it now you'll find a five star review for life it life found a way what is your best sequel ever I can't wait for this one well Dave this was a really <laughs> this is a really a tricky question because how do you narrow it down 
to mm. one movie. But also a really easy question, and anyone who's heard me bang on about this I think movie, we both knew what the answer was yeah. going to be, actually. Well, it's one of those things where I didn't I didn't want to pick this, but I kind of have to pick this, because it's my favourite movie of all time, and it just happens to be a sequel. Uh, and it's Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, to give it its full title. Sam Raimi's phenomenal follow-up to the ultimate experience in Grueling Terror. So it's even better than the ultimate experience in Grueling Terror, which was the <laughs> Evil Dead. And this is Evil Dead 2, which is just... Just a sublime piece of, of movie making and really chunky and cheap at the same time, but I love it. Yeah, as soon as we asked you like your picks and we were waiting for them to come back, I was like, Rich, just watch Evil Dead 2. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he's going to go Evil Dead 2. Yeah, we were, we were convinced on that one already. I, had I to. watched it. I actually watched it at seven o'clock this morning, which is a weird experience. That's a great time to watch <laughs> Evil Dead 2. How was it? What do you think? Have you, yeah, had, you seen, had you seen it before? Was this your first time? I had seen it before, but not for a very long time. Um, and at least like 20, I think I watched it at university like 20 years ago. Okay. Um, but I really liked it. It's it's really, fu- it's a lot funnier than I remember it. Yeah. It's it's incredibly funny. Like the bit where the eyeball flies through the air and lands in, it, in the in the girl's mouth. I think that's that's comic genius. It's just the <laughs> whole thing. The whole thing. It's not, it's not a single frame I would change. It's, it's just glorious to me. Was this a VHS video shop run? Yeah, no, this, what this was, what Evil Dead 2 was, was, I'm saying was a lot, but, you know, it's fine. You can just cut those out and just make my sense <laughs> seem nonsensical. Uh, so what Evil Dead 2 was, was um, we had video, what were they called? Video sales. So there would be like a traveling video sale would come to my hometown of Banbridge and they would sell extra rental video cassettes at right. the local nightclub. So on a, on a Saturday morning, it would turn into these video fairs. That's what they were. They were video ah. fairs. And uh, so I went down armed with pocket money and you know, with my dad. And uh, and uh, we went around and we saw all the excellent video cassettes. And this was at the time when I was kind of seriously getting into film through things like Empire and Total Film didn't exist back then. The other film <laughs> magazine didn't exist back then. Neon didn't exist back then. So it was mainly Empire that was giving me my, my and Starburst magazines like that. That were, you know, getting me into film. And uh, so I remember going around this place and picking up like a, a bounty of stuff. Like X-Rental tapes back then were like 30, 40 quid to buy an X-Rental video. And this is before things came out in retail. And this they were going here for like five pounds a pop. And I had enough money to buy five or six. And so I bought some titles I knew and I loved. Things like Lethal Weapon 2. There's another sequel for you. Uh, things like Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. There's another sequel for you. But I my eyes lit upon Evil Dead 2 which I'd never seen, but which I had heard of through Jonathan Ross's Incredibly Strange film show, which if people don't know what that is, it was an extraordinary Channel 4 series, ran for a couple of series, I think, uh, in the 1980s, hosted by Jonathan Ross, who is a massive, massive film, uh, film geek, and he spotlighted cult directors from around the world. And oh, okay. one of those cult directors was Sam Raimi. And nice. so I watched this Sam Raimi documentary and an interview with Sam Raimi, and I was just blown away by the clips that I was seeing. Things like, you know, I'd heard of The Evil Dead, but I don't think I'd seen it at that point because it was banned because it was <laughs> video nasty. I yeah. hadn't seen his second film, Crime Wave. So this would have been around about 1989, 1990. So it would have been just, probably just before Darkman comes out. And uh, and so I thought, oh, this Evil Dead 2 looks like the business. So I saw it and I went, I want 
that. I got it home and I watched it, and uh, my life changed. <laughs> it was, it was, it was incredible. I had never seen filmmaking like it before. I'd never seen a director as playful before. I'd never seen a director try things like Raimi tries in that movie before. Uh, and it was, and and it was, an, it was a, it was a come to Jesus moment for me. Except Jesus in this this case was a bloke with a chainsaw on the end of his arm. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, you know, if you're eight, nine years old, ten years old, yeah. what's not to love about a bloke with a chainsaw for an arm? I mean, that's an upgrade on Jesus for me. That's a controversial yeah. statement to say, but you know, I had, you know, John John Lennon got away with it, so I think I could do as well. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I'm confused by Evil Dead Two. Is it? Does it ignore the first one, or is it yes. supposed to be a recap of the first one, or what? Or a the... remake because they yeah. had more money. It's 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 having this cake and eating it. And they do the same thing with Army of Darkness, the third movie, in that each Evil Dead movie directed by Sam Raimi remakes the previous movie in the first mm. two minutes of the next movie. So they, they don't do that thing like the Planet of the Apes films do or the Rocky films do, where the, the first five minutes is usually like just a, a previously on with stock footage, or not even stock footage, just footage from the, from the last film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raimi, I think it might have been might have been driven by rights issues, but also I think he wanted to streamline the story a little bit. Uh, so Raimi wanted to basically start Evil Dead 2 where the Evil Dead ends. So the Evil Dead ends with the uh, now famous POV shot of the evil, uh, which is you know, always seen from the evil's POV, this creeping, mm. crawling camera going through the forest and then through this cabin. Uh, so the Evil Dead, it goes through the cabin and... Uh, emerges the other side of the cabin, Bruce Campbell, who's the sole survivor, as Ash in the first movie, turns around, screams at the camera, goes right up to his face, cut to black. That's yeah. the end of the Evil Dead. Uh, and then for Evil Dead 2, he basically, as you saw this morning, he picks it up from that, that exact point uh, with this deranged, incredible shot where it picks him up, flies him through the air, smacks him against trees, which were actually held, uh, manipulated by Sam Raimi himself, smacking Bruce Campbell, who's like one of his oldest friends, in the face, scratches his eyes, scratches his hands, and then thumbs into a tree, falls down into a puddle, gets possessed, and we're off to the races. Uh, So he wanted to do that. I think he wanted to streamline it so that there was a focus on just one other character with Ash rather than four other characters with Ash. So we see his girlfriend, Linda, get possessed, get killed. Uh, And then, you know, again, we're off to the races. So I think that's partly what he wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite scene? What makes it the magic for you? Oh, the magic, the magic, the magic. I mean, where do you start? For me, it's when I think about it, I think about the montages. I think it has one of the great tooling up sequences in cinema history which is this beautiful sequence of, of short cuts, very, very short, sharp, quick edits as Ash is slowly putting together his chainsaw and his sawn-off shotgun, mm. and then uh, as the, um, which is just all sound effects, uh, and then, you know, wonderful over-the-top Foley work. And then as he has finished tooling up, because at this point he's full badass Mad Max Dirty Harry, yeah. action hero, rather than the craven coward he is for the first hour of the film. Uh, <laughs> the camera pushes in towards him and the music rises. Joe LaDuca's very heroic music uh, on a budget, obviously. And then he says the immortal word, groovy. He, uh, oh, he, I love it. <laughs> he spins a shotgun. He, he chainsaws a shotgun. He, he breaks it off. So it's a son of shotgun. He spins it round, which is really difficult to do, I'm guessing. 
puts it into his holster and then says groovy and it's just that that's cinema if aliens come down to earth i'll show them that bit that's cinema lads <laughs> now, go i think home. edgar wright has certainly watched that a few times <laughs> I think like, so. yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. few bits in there i was like yeah edgar wright definitely watched this before sean of the dead <laughs> <laughs> i love that this was your your cinematic awakening basically because um, yeah. I think it, for like, it's like that for a lot of people, especially people who end up going to film school or like we went to uh, learn about film and making stuff. Because yeah. I think it's so, it, he makes it look so easy. It's not, mm. but it's like, I'm just going to take Bruce Campbell to a pole and then throw him through a car or <laughs> drag him through a bush a few times or make him breathe underwater for like two minutes. I was watching the, the making of this morning yeah. and it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Did you ever feel like I could do that? Like you wanted to go to film school? Or... Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that definitely made me want to, uh, want to uh, be involved in film to, to an extent. And then you get to film school and you realize you can't do it. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, those you can't teach. And, and uh, you, so, you meet so, someone who's incredibly talented and go, oh, that's yeah. that's what they do. Like, yeah, that's that's what they do, precisely. We, and we best do a podcast instead. Except they weren't even invented then. We had to wait no. for uh, Jay Humphrey to invent podcasts so we could we could do them. Uh, and yeah, it's it's just. It's just one of those things that the movie just kind of the scales fell from my eyes when I saw Evil Dead Two for the first time. I was a huge film fan by that point already. You know, mm. I, I you know I worshipped Star Wars, and that never really gripped me in the way that Sam Raimi's direction gripped me, which was just you know he is showing off. There are lots of tricks. He is throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But the mm. the fact is, for me anyway, with Evil Dead Two, ninety nine point three percent of it sticks. Like even little things like um, you know, it's 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 kind of showing off, but it's in service of the story. Uh, when Ash first gets possessed and the evil retreats, there's and he wakes up as himself again. It, there's a really lovely, eerie three sixty shot that's mm. just really controlled. It's not yeah. drawing attention to itself. It's not wackadoodle like a lot of Raimi's camera work in that movie. Um, but it's just this beautifully controlled 360 that you know, it starts with Ash, goes round, you see the, the cabin, you see the outside of the cabin, you see that it's completely clear, and then it comes back to Ash again. And then there's a very, very quick cut to him looking across and thinking about what am I going to do next? And then yeah. a very, very quick cut to him getting away in the, in the car, the Delta Oldsmobile, uh, which has been in all Raimi's movies. And, you know, that's just, A, that's great storytelling, really economical storytelling, but just lovely, lovely technique. Uh, as well uh so there's so much about this movie that i love and i should give a shout out you know when i say Raimi's camera work i mean peter deming as well who was the, the yeah. dp but yeah yeah but Raimi's... the camera's like an extra character isn't it yeah, yeah. it is it really is yeah in yeah. fact the camera is the the evil a lot of the time isn't yeah. it yeah yeah like because the, the, the evil's always the pv it's like that psycho trick of making you feel like you're the you're the you're the killer you're the baddie you're the demon you know by by Doing the doing their movements through the POV of the camera. Have you ever got to interview Sam Raimi about Evil Dead? Yeah, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I have. I've interviewed him both over the years, which is which is lovely. One of the, <clears throat> yeah, one of the very first assignments I ever did for Empire. By the way, my voice has changed because I had a coffee fit about two minutes ago, uh, so that's why I sound like I'm possessed. I'm not possessed. Which is exactly what a possessed person would say if they were trying to do the opposite. <laughs> He's possessed. He's possessed. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of my first assignments as a very, very Brilliant. young fledgling cub reporter for Empire was to write a making of the Evil Dead. Wow! And uh, they set up interviews with Bruce Campbell and with Sam Raimi, and I was in Hog Heaven, and I got forty-five minutes with Sam Raimi. This was before Spider-Man had come out, so this is two thousand and one. 
and they were great. They were they're 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 so nice. I've interviewed them a number of times over the years. And even though I once managed to massively piss off Bruce Campbell by writing a piece about him after having spent some time with him in Portland, Oregon, and I wrote a piece about him and I was I was told, you're a huge Bruce Campbell fan, so don't just turn it into an ass-kissing exercise. Mm-hmm. And I went too far the other way and had some pops at him in the in the piece, which I thought were friendly pops, but he took it, he, he didn't interpret it that way, let's put it that way. Oh. And uh, he wrote a letter into Empire and was very upset about it. Which made me feel terrible because this man is my hero. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think we're okay now. We managed to smooth it over. I've interviewed him since, and uh, I was like, I have apologized, and uh, and hopefully we've moved on. Hopefully we've moved on. But uh, yeah, but over the years when I have interviewed him, he's he's a very very funny guy, very witty, very very sardonic. Uh, and Sam Raimi is a very very nice, polite man who has a very impish sense of humour. I recently interviewed him for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, but obviously hadn't interviewed him for a long time before that because he'd taken nine years off, not through his own volition. But yeah, I've interviewed him a number of times, but that first time was was pretty special for a, a very, very long piece on the Evil Dead. Brilliant. Where, what do you think of the, um, the Evil Dead sequels? And what do you think about the future Evil Deads? I like Army of Darkness... I don't love Army of Darkness. Um, and It's very different. It's very, very it? different. And sometimes I like that in my sequels. I don't, I don't think that every sequel has to conform to what, what made the original so great. And Evil Dead 2 is very different from the Evil Dead. You know, it's, it's a big tonal shift. It's a, it's a live-action Looney Tune for a, a lot of it. It's more comedy than horror, although I still think there's a lot of great jump scares that are really well orchestrated in, in Evil Dead 2. Uh, it's a batshit insane movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then Army of Darkness was basically a filmmaker who just didn't want to make another Evil Dead movie, essentially. Uh, so there, there are elements of it in there, but he basically wanted to make an Arthurian <laughs> epic. He wanted to make a modern day, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, a Connecticut, uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. He wanted to make a, a version of that. And that's what he did. And I know other mm. people, James Dyer at Empire thinks he, the Army of Darkness is the best one. Um, I know there are people who think the Evil Dead is the best one, but yeah, I, I I like it a lot, but you know it doesn't quite match up to Evil Dead Two for me. And then the remake, which isn't really a remake, it's kind of also a sequel. Uh, Evil Dead is fine, but I'll be lying if I said I've revisited it since it came out. It's okay. It's it's totally I guess closer to the first Evil Dead. There's mm. very little humor in it. Um, and I'm excited about Evil Dead Rise. Uh, you know, I've I've long given up on my dream of an Evil Dead Four. Um, and I thought Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV show, was was fine. But you know, I would really have loved to see an Evil Dead Four. It's not my dream sequel, by the way. <laughs> not every, <laughs> yeah. not Don't every, not every answer is just a is an Evil Dead related one. Um, had Nick Helm on, and it was his dream sequel. Really? Uh, yeah, Evil Dead Four. I remember mm. it because when I, the first time I interviewed uh, Bruce Campbell about it and Sam Raimi. Uh, back in 2001, it was even back then, one of the first things you asked him, or one of the last things you asked him, was happening with Evil Dead 4. Because back then it was an actual thing that might have been, uh, might have happened. And I remember Sam Raimi going, oh, there's a script, there's a script. And uh, it starts, we start on a, we start on a, a barren, desolate landscape. We pull back further. It's still barren. We pull back further and further and further until we realize we're looking at a pimple. And then we pull back further <laughs> and further. And further, and the pimple is on Bruce Campbell's ass. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, 
was like, there will never be an Evil Dead 4. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was so crushed, so gutted. But uh, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing that it, it never happened. Because now it can't, it can't be a disappointment. Never say never. Never say never. Legacy sequels are the in thing now. Mm, true. Damn straight. Damn straight. You know, the latest hippest craze. And they can be great. And they can be terrible. They so, can you know. be. They can be very, very much terrible. But I think, it, I think it might be, you know, if it happens, might be, I'd be up for it. What's your most disappointing sequel? So one you went in real big on, like, I can't wait for this. And it wasn't bad, but you're just like, oh, let down disappointing disappointing well i'm not gonna say rise of skywalker because i didn't go in with high hopes for rise of skywalker i said the godfather 3 would be a disappointing sequel um in that obviously the first two are two of the greatest movies of all time and the third is not although i don't think it's as bad as his reputation at the time deserve deserves or suggests i think it's had a rehabilitation over time but it's still clearly not as good as the first two um, but I remember watching that in the cinema. It was the first Godfather movie I saw in the cinema, and that was pretty disappointing, I have to say. And, you know, if you look at if you look at the long mega franchises as well, you know, there have been a couple of Bond films that have left me quite shaken and stirred. You know, yeah. <laughs> Die Another Day is a terrible film for me. It's the worst Bond movie by a country mile, and I was really excited about that because of, you know it was the twentieth uh, one, and it was a big old anniversary and turns out to be pierce's last last movie and that was that was hugely disappointing to me um carry on columbus who who can you know who could forget being hugely disappointed by carry on columbus uh, so there's lots of there's lots of uh the long running sequels that have disappointed me you know the way yeah. george romero george romero's second dead trilogy is oh. disappointing you know the only one that, that passes muster is land of the dead the other two are are just not good at all mm. um, what the other two diary and survival yeah that? that's exactly it yeah and um and it's a real shame a real real shame so what's the worst well there's a lot of contenders for this weirdly enough uh, <laughs> you know pick any terminator film made after terminator 3 which could also be considered to be a disappointing sequel it has a great ending phenomenal ending but the rest of it's a bit you know hit and miss uh, you could go for any of the Matrix sequels, with the possible exception of the last one, Matrix Resurrections, which was pretty good. Um, <laughs> for me, and this is because I'm a big comedy guy, I think comedy sequels are are very, very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it comes up a lot, no? Oh, my God. You know, having said that, I think there's some great ones. You know, I really like Naked Gun 2 and a half. I'm the guy who likes Anchorman 2. But for me, I don't think... You know, anything is, is as bad, and I'm including Independence Day Resurgence in this, uh, in recent years as Sulander number two, which mm. was a crushing, crushing disappointment. And I would say, crucially, also a bad movie. And yeah, yeah. it's just unfunny. And I don't know what happened there because I interviewed Ben Stiller, and I, you know, I did the feature uh, for Empire, I think. Yeah, I did. And, um, I just don't know what happened. They, they, they talked a good game and they didn't deliver. I, I watched it for the first time today. First time I'd ever seen it today. And it's it's horrible. It's awful, it's isn't it? It's really horrible. Yeah. Like, I don't think I laughed. Not even chuckled once. It's not funny. There's no. one good joke that made me laugh. And I'm an easy laugh. <laughs> Believe me, I'm an easy laugh. <laughs> There's a good joke where Hansel and uh, Sulander are basically getting a car crash, and the mm. car crash goes on for the longest time. 
And I yeah. like jokes like that. I like jokes that play with time and people's perception of time and, and, and taking a gag and stretching it out to its, you know, to, to, to its breaking point. And then maybe even a little further beyond that. And that's the only time, and then if I remember rightly, because I haven't revisited this movie uh, since it came out, they lay land on all four wheels and they're totally yeah. fine. And that made me they laugh. Got, like ice cream on their faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, the, it's, the, it's the sun yeah, and, uh, and Zulu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, okay. I don't want to go back. Don't make me go back. <laughs> don't make me go back. Don't make me go back. Well, totally hopefully I'm never back. watching it again after seeing it today. But, you know, yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Did you, so you didn't write the review for this one then? No, I, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure I wrote the feature, but you know, you're, you're, you're testing my powers of memory here because um, <laughs> it's it was a few years ago. I remember it, I did a big 10-year anniversary piece where I spoke to Ben Stiller for Zoolander, which I, which is a film I love. You know, it's one. That, it's great. It's fantastic. It's so good. And you know, it came out obviously 2001. It came out after 9/11, and you know, and that kind of. Uh, killed his chance. There were more important things happening there, obviously, but mm. that kind of killed his chances uh, as a comedy of, of flourishing. Uh, but it's one of those little engines that could, and it's a movie I loved unabashedly whenever I, I first saw it. It makes me laugh so much. It's such an inventive, wild, bold, stylistic comedy. You know, unlike most comedies, it actually looks good, and it's just really, really funny. And I was so excited for Zoolander 2. Everything, I, everything I saw in the marketing, everything I saw in the, uh, you know, in the build-up to it, just, just looked great. And then the movie hits, and it's like they've forgotten what makes this character funny. Mm. They've forgotten uh, what made the character likable as well. What makes the character likable? What made the other other characters likable? Uh, and it, it, and it crowbars in a way that in I think in a comedy sequel can feel really egregious. You know, when you're basically just re reliving past glories and you're you're doing the thing in a comedy sequel because that's what worked last time you know mm. as much as i like anchorman 2 i think anchorman 2 is hilarious uh but anchorman 2 does that as well with things like the the you know the the battle of the anchors the the royal rumble at the end but it yeah. builds on it makes it much more epic with all these big big name cameos and special effects and, and whatnot but Zoolander just it's, it's a movie that just basically it feels like they looked at it really dispassionately and try to figure out clinically what made it funny what's okay what do people like about this bit okay we'll just we'll do that again and and it just really seems to show a lack of understanding of what made the, the first one so good hmm. no progression is there there's no progression it feels like a film out of time but not in a good way there's no gags there's no gags that are memorable there's no character that is memorable in a good way although i think no. it, it gets a little bit of a, an energy kick when will ferrell and Kristen wig start being really weird together towards the end, which yeah. is the kind of energy that I can kind of get behind. But the rest of it, the the plot and, you know, even trying to bring in some sort of emotion and, and having a character like Zoolander try and grow, I think is a big mistake. You know, I think, you know, character growth is fine. It's good. Propels movies galore, obviously. But I think in certain cases, whether it's Zoolander or Ash and Evil Dead, you should probably stay away from character growth and just have them be this kind of unknowable, unchangeable icon, really. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, even Penelope Cruz is bad in it. Like, I just, that, I think, guess that character is kind of a nothing character, really. She's just yeah. there to kind of pull the story along. But it's, it's full of them. It's like they just want to go on holiday to Italy for most of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. My mate, on the same night, he, he went to the premiere, had a premiere ticket to Zoolander 2, and he had a ticket to go see The Room at Prince Charles. 
and he left Zoolander after an hour because it was so bad to go and watch The Room at, at Prince Charles. It's like an upgrade in quality. Yeah. I was like, how was it? Well, I left in an hour and went and saw The Room. I was like, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good sign. That's not good at all. That is not good. Um, yeah, there's a character in, in Zoolander 2 that I absolutely despised, which is um, Kyle Mooney as the kind of brash young Hip hop fashion designer Don Atari. What the fuck is yeah, that? Yeah, It's a performance that I think is so monumentally misjudged, and it's a character that's so monumentally misjudged. It's put me off Carl Mooney, who you know has been a kind of mainstay of SNL for the last six, seven years, something like that, and hmm. you know, and is by all accounts a very funny and very talented guy. But every time I see him in a sketch, I I just start hissing at the screen. Going, no, no, it's him again. No, he's going to hurt me again, and I can't. I can't have that. I think that's for most of the people in this film. The, the, the cameos are one of the worst things about it. Yeah, they're so Justin on the, Bieber's so on the nose, aren't they? That's the thing. It's just like Kate Perry, Sting. <laughs> st- oh, Sting's Sting. awful in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he's trying to pounce at the end, it looks like it physically hurts mm. the man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland, the orgy bit. Yeah, that's bad. That's really Benedict bad. Cumberbatch. They even, like they make a joke about losing a baby. Like that's that's not okay. <laughs> that's not that's not like yeah. who thought that was going to land? It's it's like, not good. Oh. It's not good. And it bombed, didn't it? There's, it, it did. It got critically panned. And I've got to be honest. When you said Zoolander two, I was like, there's a two. I didn't even know there was a two. Yeah, I was so excited. I was massively into it. I was I was mega hyped. Uh, I think it came out two years after Anchorman two, and uh, so the Anchorman two had done had done pretty well. I think Anchorman two made a hundred million in the states, and mm. so clearly people were back in the mood for for legacy comedy sequels. Yeah, but it hasn't. Ha- it yeah, it just wasn't good. It wasn't. Was this good. the point that Will Ferrell said no more sequels ever again? No more sequels. I think that's, yeah, yeah. I, I thought like, you know, like, <laughs> if if uh, Holmes and Watson had hit, you you know we'd be on Holmes and Watson three. Oh, uh, yeah, I've never finished that one. Was that like, bad? Was bad? I didn't one. see that. Yeah. I can't blame you. It's bad. That's a because no. people have asked about like Step Brothers two and and yeah. Elf two, and he's like, I'm not no no more sequels ever. Yeah. I'm never doing another sequel. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah that's, it's a shame. that's understandable. <laughs> I remember this coming out on the back of Anchorman 2, and I think it was on this one, and then Dumb and Dumber 2, and they all came out in a row, and they were all rubbish. Yeah. See, well, apart from Anchorman 2, we cannot appreciate it. Well, yeah, well obviously, I, I believe me, I know I'm, I'm very much in the minority on Anchorman 2, but I, I will also go to bad for uh, Dumb and Dumber uh, 2 to an extent. No. Yeah, there, there are some really, really, really funny gags in Dumb and Dumber 2. There's some terrible, terrible stuff in it as well. But there's some genuinely world class gags that are that you would be if you if you wrote that gag you would take the day off and just <laughs> and just walk around the city just waving at people. I, I've still never seen it. That's it's got Dumb some good stuff. Or, or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, no, I've still I've still never seen it. Yeah, it's... I, I was waiting for someone to bring it up. Mm. But I have to give it a second watch now. If Chris says it's good, <laughs> there there are several jokes that make me laugh a lot because they're so. They're so incredibly dumb, but also smart in how dumb they are. Uh, but yeah, there's some dreadful, dreadful stuff uh, as well. So it's a, it's a it's a very very hedgy bets, <laughs> hedged bets recommendation. <laughs> so you were saying like this hard comedy comedy is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. What are the good ones? Like I'm trying to think. 
Hangover, hangovers two and three, they're bad ones. Uh, I struggle with good ones. Yeah, it's really it's difficult. Naked, naked Gun. It's really difficult. I mean, it's one of, when I um, did the feature for Anchorman 2, I remember speaking to Adam McKay about this and Will Ferrell, and they were like, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to do it, because it mm-hmm. is, it's, it's not quite the Holy Grail, because there have been good comedy sequels in the past, but it's kind of really, really tricky, and you struggle mm. to name a truly great one, uh, I would say. You know, and you know, I cannot believe they're making a Spinal Tap too, which is no. just astonishing well, to me. No, uh, because that—that's the kind of you don't want to go there. You don't want to tread in this this hallowed ground. Uh, but but great comedy sequels for me uh, would include. It depends on your your definition of comedy. Is Back to the Future comedy, for example? You know, you know all the Police Academy movies are obviously great, uh, great <laughs> comedy sequels. Uh, Austin Powers, I, I really like Austin, Austin Powers. Powers I think member. Good shout. And Wayne's World too. I think is quite is good. Wayne's as well. World two like is good that. stuff. Yeah, uh, as well. Uh, so I would throw both of those in. I think that uh, Naked Gun two and a half is hilarious. I think Naked Gun thirty three and a third is less so, but again has some great stuff in it. Yeah, and um. I would also throw in Airplane 2, the sequel, which is, you know, not as good as the first one, but has some amazing jokes. The hit rate is pretty damn good. It has some inspired stuff. Um, I think, I can't remember who who worked on the screenplay. So it was written, it was written and directed by a Canadian filmmaker called Ken Finkelman, who, and it came out in 1982, who in the same summer wrote and directed Airplane 2 and wrote Grease 2. It's one of those great oh, okay. kind of quirks of credits. Uh, but I know that there were other people who worked on the screenplay for Airplane 2 uh, who would go on to work for The Simpsons and shows like that. And so they were, you know, they, it was just crammed full of great jokes. You know, there's an amazing courtroom scene where someone says to John Vernon, you know, who's playing a psychiatrist, you know, can you give me your impression of Ted Stryker? And he goes, I don't do impressions. My field is in psychiatry. Little things like that, <laughs> yeah. which are just so, yeah. so funny and, and are worthy of the first movie. So I would say Airplane 2, the sequel, Hot Shots Part 2, um, which I was is just going to say, yeah, I think that's better one. than the original. Has one like, of my favorite line deliveries of all time, Miguel Ferrer going, war, it's fantastic. And... <laughs> Uh, has one of the greatest and most elaborate jokes of all time, which is Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen on two riverboats passing each other. And the exact moment they pass each other, they point at each other and say, I loved you on Wall Street. It is one of the greatest what the fuck were they doing jokes ever. (laughs) I love that movie so much. So there you go. There's there's seven off the top of my head. There you go. (laughs) That's more than I can name. And that's not even talked about animated stuff like Shrek 2. Oh, yeah, Shrek 2. Things in there that... Better yeah. than the original. And Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, if, you, if you're going to say that, you know, if you take the Cornetto trilogy as sequels, which some Ooh. people might, I'm going to throw I a Hot Fuzz in. I think you shoehorn it. Yeah, I'm going to it's... Just screw it. You have, Cornet- <laughs> you have Cornettos. The Cornettos are the, the linking material. So therefore, Hot Fuzz <laughs> is a sequel to Shaun of the Dead. You heard it here first. And 22 Jump Street. Great shout. That's a cracker. That is a great shout. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. That's, that's at least 10. <laughs> there you go Dave that's material for our top 10 comedy sequels episode yeah we'll oh. still that Life of Brian there you go oh. boom take that take that people who think that comedy sequels don't work just because of Zoolander 2 do you think there is a place maybe in 10 years when we'll forget about Zoolander 2 and they'll do a Zoolander 3 no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I, I, I would love to see Anchorman 3, for example. I, I think there's still mileage in those characters. I think there's mileage in those characters. Uh, I'm not sure Adam McKay and Will Ferrell would be up for it. Um, you know, I, I know Adam McKay has spoken recently about how they're 
working relationship is on a break on a break and their friendship has become strained and that's a real shame uh also i think adam mckay is moving into just more serious filmmaking as a as a as a natural uh progression yeah i don't think he'd make even stepbrothers today but you know i might be wrong about that uh so i'd love to see anchorman 3 a sealander 3 i don't know ben stiller again is is someone who seems to be evolving as a director you know he's you know, he's just directed Severance season one. I think he's directing Severance season two. I don't think he's really interested in this. Although it's a legacy sequel thing, isn't it? You know, I'm going to mention a whole bunch of legacy sequels I'd love to see uh, when we come to talk about dream sequels. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's this idea about revisiting iconic characters 15, 20, even 30 years down the line, seeing, picking up with them. What have they learned? Where are they at in their lives? What are their, what are their losses? What are their victories? What are their regrets? And um, that might not work with Zoolander, who shouldn't have a thought inside his head. So, <laughs> you know, but it might be interesting to see an elderly runway model. What would that? What would that yeah. Look like? What What's the What's a runway model that's who's not ridiculously good looking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long as they set it set the sequel in a, a time when it feels appropriate. They're saying about Zoolander two, it's just completely miscast and misread the the year it was released it doesn't feel like a 2016 film no um yeah that's that's my problem with it i I think one of the problems was and the first film manages to uh, circumvent this pretty nicely is you know the fashion world is almost beyond parody i mean it was literally i can't remember which which fashion brand it was but a couple of years ago a fashion brand brought out a, a range of clothes that was basically derelict from the first from the first Zoolander movie (laughs) <laughs> which was basically, you know, look like look like someone who is, um, you know, who is homeless, and that's the that's the chic. That's what they wanted to to look like, and you're going, I can't believe this. So this is beyond parody now. So, you know, but it's, as a character, you could probably take him and plant him into a different scenario. That yeah. would be all right, I think. Yeah, Zoolander and Zoolander and Axel in an old people's home. You know, yeah. that'd be. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be. I like funny. I like Owen Wilson. I, like I quite Wilson, like him yeah. as, as Hansel. Yeah. He he tries. He's so hot right now, Hansel. <laughs> He's so hot right now. Is there a sequel that you were surprised about? Like you went in, maybe maybe when you were reviewing, like, oh, do I really have to do so and so? And you came out and you're like, you know what, that wasn't half bad. Oh, I'm thinking now. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, oh, trying to think of the last one that. Uh, Hmm. I'm trying to think of the other way, the other way around. So I'm trying to think about the the the, the current franchises that are. Um, For example, you know, maybe you go in. Bad example for you. Mission Impossible is like after two, you maybe were like, oh, is there legs? And then three, four, five got better. Yeah. Maybe the new, the new Suicide Squad was a bit of a surprise after the first Suicide Squad. Except the, it Top Gun was, Maverick it wasn't was a surprise, because right? Top Gun Maverick <laughs> was a surprise. Uh, I would say, but again, also wasn't i think what what surprised me about what surprised me about top gun maverick was how great it is and how much i responded to it because i'm not a huge fan of the original and <laughs> you know i think it's i think it's just absolutely terrific um but in terms of things that that surprised me the suicide squad it surprised me how much i loved it but then again i think james gunn is terrific and i love what he's done mm. with the guardians movies and so that wasn't a huge surprise for me. I'm trying to think about things that have, that have kind of gone the other way. So I went into, I'm going to talk about disappointments. I went into Wonder Woman 1984, hoping for something great. And I got yeah. I got Wonder Woman 1984. Um, obviously, 
you know, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, is, yeah, we've had that. That's kind of is quite a disappointment a to people. Uh, but I, I don't know if there was... I can't remember the last time I went into a sequel that I wasn't particularly enthused about and came out enthused. But maybe one will come to me as we're as we're chatting. But I'm, yeah. uh, oh, actually, I've got I've got I've got a, maybe a surprising one. This just popped into my head. Um, but Predators, there you go. Yes. So there's a movie. I mean, you know, it's probably an inverse um, situation from the Predator, where I went into the Predator hoping for something truly great because of Shane Black, who I worship. And yep. again, I got The Predator, which is just a complete misfire. And his sensibilities just didn't mesh at all well with with that franchise. Uh, you know, I know he, he had his battles with the studio. So that wasn't great. And um, But Predators, I went in expecting complete tosh. And it is tosh to an extent, but it's also really fun. And so I've seen it a number of times now, Predators. So within that franchise, I think Predators is a, is not the most recent example, but it's one that's just popped into my head. That's a good that's a good example, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I always think of Fast Five when we talk about this. Oh yes, because that's a really good film. Like it has no right to be. That's really fun and yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, as, I, as I've said on the Empire podcast, uh, Fast Five is the pinnacle of human existence, and it is the point from which you can chart our ultimate decline and extinction it all it all ends with fast five because there's no point we might as well have stopped um <laughs> from that exact moment on yeah fast five is a great a great shout actually because you know it was a franchise that you had written off i don't know about you guys Absolutely. but certainly I'd, I'd written it off um i'm not even sure i'd seen fast and furious when i saw fast five but i remember looking at the trailer and the trailer ends with uh, paul walker riding a car on the bonnet of a car as Finn Diesel drives it off a cliff. And I was going, this isn't what I remember this franchise being. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. I was like, they were stealing DVDs a minute ago. Yeah. Now. What, what are they doing? What, this is madness. And uh, so I went to see it and uh, it blew me away because it's just such a, a fun, effervescent, off-its-face action movie. That's, Absolutely. I don't think the franchise is even, well... Some people will say Fast Seven does, but I don't think the other the other movies since have really even come close to it. But no. I'm truly worried about where they're going to go with Ten Part One and Two. Yeah, just, <sighs> yeah. I can't even fathom it in my head what they're going to do underwater. Uh, well, they've done space, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, maybe, you know, we we percent all along they should do it as a musical, but it seems now that Joker Two seems to be stealing their thunder by by being a musical. Uh, that's the report. So really, gives me a headache. Okay, but here's the thing. I mean, I've I've been a focal critic of of Joker. It's I Same, don't yeah. I don't like that movie. Nope. Um, and I woke up this morning and I saw people going, Lady Gaga is in talks to play Harley Quinn in Joker Two, which will be. A musical, and my first thought, my first thought was Todd Phillips needs to be stopped. Uh, they have this, they, this movie cannot go into production. This is going to be a terrible, you know, the, the word folly uh, is on the script, folly ado. Uh, but you know, I'm going to use our version of it, folly. This feels like a folly. This is going to go terribly, mm. terribly wrong. And I, you know, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, oh, Lady Gaga is actually pretty great casting as Harley Quinn. I, I can see that. And then I thought about it some more and I went, you know, this might be genius. <laughs> this, might, this, <laughs> this might be a great move. When you I know? heard about it, I, it, it, it made me think of the like Captain America um, 
musical in Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> like yes. cheesy. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be like that somehow. <laughs> I, 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 I get that feeling. Um, but you never know. You never know. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm tentatively. This has got me kind of interested now. See, this could be the answer to the question in a few years' time when you come back on. Mm. You can be like, you know what? I'm surprised about Joker. Two. Joker was- Two. It's the one that turned me around. Absolutely, from the director of The Hangover Three and Mad Dog War Dogs, not Mad Dogs. Oh, yeah. comes Joker Two. How has that happened? <laughs> Anyone worked that out yet? Like his career? He makes money. I mean that in the nicest way. Yeah. I mean, I. He's made some good films. I've laughed. I know, I, had a good time. I've, I've interviewed him. He's a nice guy. He's smart. He gets it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I prefer his comedies. But, um, yeah, you know, I did not like Joker at all. I thought it was, a, 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 you know, its success baffled me. But I know that there are thousands, if not millions of people out there who would be yelling unmentionable, you know, insults yeah. at the Oh, it's definitely got its fans. The podcast yeah. oh, device yeah. right now. So. You know, it is it is what it is. But uh, I was when I saw the news of Joker two last week, I, I my heart sank a little bit. I must confess. And then I saw today's news and it sank a little bit further. And then I started to think about it, and I was like, oh, actually, this might be really really great. And you know, don't give people a retread of the first movie, which is often, of course, the pitfall that so many sequels fall into. Yeah, uh, yeah. give them something different and give them something weird. And if he if he gives us different and he gives us weird, and the music's good because hopefully it'll be original songs, then, yeah, great. All yeah. for it. If they try something different, at least they have my respect. That's what I, I say. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's, you know, that's... Can't be a bad film, then. Can't be a bad film. <laughs> you have my respect. Have you ever watched a sequel and then didn't like it and then have to do the interviews afterwards? And how do you approach that? Uh, do you yes. say, hey, the costumes are nice? Yes, or... <laughs> many, many times. Uh, I have developed a routine a formula for this over the years which is by and large you don't discuss the film <laughs> um, wow uh, or if you do discuss the film you just don't tell them you know it's, it's very important i think Your not opinion, to yeah. lie to people mm. um yeah I, I try not to lie uh, to people uh, i did lie to someone recently when has anyone ever directly asked you did you like the film many or many times and that's sometimes right. where you have to lie uh <laughs> do you just have a coffin fit in the middle just, of it? Well, you just go oh tons of fun Tons of fun. It's a blast. But uh, I remember once talking to... Oh, God, this is going to sound like shameless name dropping. But I remember talking to Kamel Nanjiani. This is on the uh, the Empire podcast. Because I looked... I said to him, oh, congratulations. I love the big, the big sick. And he went, look me in the eye and say that. And, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. Now I feel like oh, it's going to be a tell because I genuinely love that movie. But I'm, is my eye going to go up to the left now, which indicates that I'm lying? Oh, Jesus Christ. And he was like, how many times have you had to tell people that and actually not meant it? And I went, loads, absolutely loads. Uh, so that kind of shamed me out of saying things like, congratulations on the movie, or you've done it again. Yeah, so now I just kind of yeah, don't yeah. say that, and then we get mm. into the movie. you know. But by and large, you know, because I'm lucky enough, by and large, to um, be able to interview people who made movies that I, I like, that it, yeah. it comes up less and less these days yeah we we had ian nathan on the show he oh, told yeah. us a wonderful story about uh putting speed 2 on the cover when they knew speed 2 was not a good film <laughs> they knew that well they, i think they'd already agreed to put it on the cover before they knew it was such a bad film i think they, there was rumors yeah, it was already on the cover and they watched it and then went oh, we've got to give it three stars at least <laughs> there were rumors there was a, they read the script and they had a man you had a man on in America that 
I don't know what she did saying. He was like, yes, yeah. it's what was coming out of was not good from the studio. It's not good. It's not good when that happens. Uh, it happens less and less these days. I guess they had it with Phantom Menace uh, as well. Um, that's not going to attack. That's yeah. not going to attack the clones. That's not. That's not. <laughs> that's not dredge up that old course. That could have been one of your answers to the most surprising sequels. <laughs> it's surprise. It's, it continues to surprise me constantly. Uh, my relationship with that movie is very complicated. Uh, it doesn't I mean, even know it exists, but I know it. It, it exists. <laughs> it's my fine. seven-year-old son genuinely told me the other day it's the best movie ever made. So you know. You what? know. <laughs> Weirdly enough, in case people don't know what, what we're talking about, you know, obviously there's a Star Wars movie called Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and uh, I gave it five stars in Empire Magazine, which may be the most infamous review in the history of uh, this this uh, this August organ, as they say. And That's a few. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's, a few, there's a few absolute stinkers, <laughs> let's be honest. But yeah, yeah. five stars for Attack of the Clones, at the time when the movie came out, was already getting me shit. And now, twenty years on, because it is twenty years on, it continues yeah, yeah. to get me get me shit. But I've long <laughs> learned to live with it and lean into it. Um, but yeah. what's been really weird over the last couple of years is that I find myself being approached by people, um, mainly online, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> who who say, "You know what? You were right." Attack of the Clones is fantastic. Or, you know, you know, obviously my kids have seen it and they love it. Yeah, but also yeah. I've revisited it recently and it's great. It's got this daring do adventure and it's, you know, it's got some really great stuff with Anakin and Obi-Wan's off doing his detective stuff. And, you know, the Yoda with Dooku fighting the lightsaber. And, you know, there's some great things in that movie, I will, I will admit. Uh, but these people are going, you were right. And then I go to them, no, I wasn't. I was wrong. <laughs> you were wrong. It's terrible with some great things. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. a complicated relationship. Was it one yeah. of those reviews that you just had to? It, was it like a one-hour yeah. deadline? It was really, yeah. it was really tough. It was um... in your defence, Chris. I came out of it, and I was, I was, I was well. I thought it was amazing. I even changed my MSN name to uh, Mace Windu's the baddest motherfucker in the galaxy. Wow. Yeah, I was, and then I saw it again and I had some time. I've seen it a lot uh, recently because my my son is absolutely obsessed with it, like a a, a lot. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I mess when when he said to me, "It's the it's the greatest movie ever made." I messaged Dave to say I I failed as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would take yeah. it all day long over the rise of Skywalker 100%. all day yeah. Oh, yeah. long. Yeah, because what it actually is, you know, for all its faults and for all its flaws, is an actual vision by a filmmaker who knows exactly what he wants to put yeah. on screen and managed to do so, uh, even if that vision is then perceived by others to be clunky and a bit cartoonish and a bit clumsy, all that stuff. You know, there, there isn't a, a single smidgen of the originality that George Lucas brings to that movie in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, um, but... Yeah, the the review of it happened. You know, uh, give you the Cliff Notes version. But I was I was very young, and I was it was basically my first major review for Empire. And they had you know I'd worked my way up, and I I had gained yeah, I yeah. gained their trust, and they entrusted me with this review, and I promptly <laughs> shoved it down their throats, and then <laughs> set it on fire. Uh, and the reviews I'll be remembered yeah. well there are lots of reasons why I gave it five stars one it was a, for me a five star experience watching it in the cinema the other one was yeah. we had given Phantom Menace four stars that doesn't give you a lot of room to go um, mm. I even say that in a review you know we gave this we gave the first we gave the Phantom Menace four stars it's terrible this movie's much better than that 
therefore it should get 20 stars but you know we can we can only go one up so we, we you know i'm going to give it five uh, another reason was you know as i was writing the review uh, one of my colleagues who then became my boss you know sidled over to me and reminded me how amazing the yoda lightsaber fight he was like yoda with a lightsaber that's incredible and i was because i was i was teetering i was going that might be four might be five and he was like what do you mean it might be four yoda's got a lightsaber give a five and i was like yeah he's right you know Yoda this did have like, a lightsaber. This is, yeah. So peer pressure. Yeah. This sounds like me on the car on the way home, Chris. <laughs> the first time I saw it. I, I mean, at one part, I was like, Anakin's got two lightsabers. Two lightsabers. <laughs> it's amazing. He kills a whole bunch of sand people. Six, six stars. Take that, Tuscan Raiders. It's literally everything I said. <laughs> He falls in love. Sand gets everywhere. Yeah. Have you ever seen a film before where sand gets everywhere? Lawrence of Arabia didn't complain about that. Therefore, Liz is better than Lawrence of Arabia. I love the droids. They were in on the action. It was. Ah, oh, Dave, this is dangerous because now I'm convincing myself again. This is I'm, I'm going back round. Five stars. Five stars for Attack of the Clones. Well, you heard it here first. There you go. He stands by it. I think we've all reviewed films and we're like, oh. Like Ian Nathan, so he gave five to Superman's Returns, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not a five star. It's not film. a five star film. It's not. It's not. Um, it's 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 again, it's got some great stuff, but the great stuff it has just reminds you of the Donner films. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know how you guys write reviews in an hour like that. I don't do it. I don't do it that much these days. I've, yeah. I've managed to kind of quietly walk away from that side of things, um, and hopefully, um, yeah, I don't. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy writing reviews it's the part of my job i enjoy the least and i include uh, editing podcasts in that so. <laughs> yeah i could feel you on yeah. that one <laughs> what is your dream sequel oh my god i mean where do you start there's so many there's so many evil dead 4 there you go anchorman 3 <laughs> <laughs> um, there's 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 tons there's absolutely tons i i I, when, I, when I was talking to you guys on DM about this, I was saying, you know, I, I'd love to see Midnight Run too. Uh, I love Midnight Run. I think that movie is tremendous. They try to get a sequel off the ground. Obviously, Charles Grodin is now dead. Uh, so it looks like that has, uh, you know, kiboshed that project. Um, but it would have been great to see De Niro and Grodin back together again. Yeah. You know, they've been working on an Edge of Tomorrow sequel. They've been promising this an Edge of Tomorrow sequel for years. Maybe the success of Top Gun Maverick means that they might finally give it a go. Because um, I'd love to see how it happens. Uh, you know, every now and again, I'll speak to Chris McQuarrie about something else and go, what's happening with the Edge of Tomorrow sequel? And he goes, we think we cracked it. I think we've cracked it. I think we've got a really good idea. So that would be a really, really fun one to see. Um, when we were talking about legacy sequels earlier on, you know, it, the one I think that got away, there's a number. I'd love to see Commando 2. I would love to see Commando 2 with John Matrix, Arnold Schwarzenegger back. Forget King Conan. Forget forget that. <laughs> Commando 2 is where it's at. I would watch that shit six times in a day again. I would absolutely go nuts for it. Um, could he do but, it? Could he? Oh, of course he'd do it. Of course. Of course he could. Yeah. yeah. The, have the grandkids have been nicked this time. Yeah. <laughs> also. also called Jenny. Jenny! Yeah. <laughs> it'd be amazing. It'd be terrible, but it'd be also amazing. But it made me think about Dirty Harry because I think Dirty Harry is the one that got away from us in a way because yeah, I think there have been a really interesting, unforgiven style, unforgiven level examination of that character and interrogation of that character 
you know, a, a borderline fascist cop yeah. mm. in his late 60s, possibly retired. I know some people say Gran Torino was kind of that, but it wasn't that. It wasn't Harry Callahan. And I would have loved to have seen that with a with a script that properly didn't celebrate the more fascistic excesses of of Harry Callahan, which some of the well, pretty much all of the Dirty Harry movies do. <laughs> but that could have actually engaged with it and challenged it. I think it would have been interesting. Whether Eastwood, who of course, you know, um has certain political leanings, might have wanted to go there. Who knows? Yeah. But twenty years ago, now he's he's ninety. It couldn't have happened. But he would still do it. He would still do it, but I just I think a ninety-year-old Harry Callahan, he'd still direct it, and he's still you know he's still hammering away, and and good on him. But for me, it would have worked. It would have worked when he was sixty-five, seventy. It would have worked around mm. around that era, you know. But it, presumably, he never never really wanted to do it. But yeah, and there's another cop thriller one which I'm really surprised they never did a sequel to, and. I'm, I don't know whether you guys know this, but uh, which is LA Confidential. And oh, I love LA Confidential. Did they? Not, I thought they did a sequel. Did they not try and do a sequel? It was- well, they they tried. So so when Chadwick Boseman passed away, um, we interviewed a number of people who had worked with him over the years, and one of the people I interviewed was Brian Helgeland, who is you know, obviously the, the co-writer of yeah. LA Confidential, won an Oscar for co-writing LA Confidential. And directed Chadwick Boseman in his first big breakout movie, 42, where he plays Jackie Robinson. And mm. turns out the two of them were, were thick as thieves. They were, they were incredible. They, they were so tight. They were really, really good friends. They hung out quite a lot. And Brian Helgeland and James Elroy had developed LA Confidential 2, oh. which as far as I can see, as far as I can glean, was not based in any of the subsequent books that followed Elroy wrote after Ella Confidential had followed Ed Exley and and, yeah. uh, and and Bud White. And so this was a brand new original story set in the 1970s uh, that would have, I think they had agreed to do it, that would have starred Russell Crowe, would have starred Guy Pearce, and would have starred Chadwick Boseman, and would have oh. would have tackled this big case in LA would have touched on racism and would have touched on again political corruption and infighting and had this great murder mystery at his heart and nobody wanted to do it he had the, he had the, the two stars of the original movie, uh, the ones that had been cancelled anyway and <laughs> and uh, although Jack Vincennes is dead by the end of the first movie admittedly, but he had this two he had the two stars of the, of the first movie and he had one of the hottest young movie stars on the planet itching to do this movie and no one would do it and i what studio doesn't want that like that's that's insane that nobody baffling to me like that's crazy because that i love la confidential it's i I love that kind of noir genre anyway but yeah la confidential is just it's perfect and i I would love I, i didn't i didn't know there were other books actually um so i would i always thought there's a world there you know, a world that's built and exists, and you know that that definitely has scope for a sequel. So, whoever, 
if you're listening, studio bosses, and we know you do like you do tune into these. <laughs> this things, is where Rich fre- he threatens. You absolutely people, made yeah. a mistake there. <laughs> I'm telling you there now. <laughs> it's, it's akin to you know the the people who turned down the Beatles. It's akin to the, all the publishing houses that turned down Harry yeah. Potter. It's well, maybe not quite akin to that. I'm not. You're not going to become a billionaire off the back of Valley Confidential too. But this could have been a could have been i haven't read the script but this could have been a, a, a potentially great movie yeah i can't i can't get my head around people studios not thinking that's a, a sure thing no. yeah yeah absolute madness it's a strange one it's a strange one but you know it is what it is i guess i'd love to know what that script what that script is like that what that, what their plans were for that movie like, yeah that would that I just yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those pitch meetings. <laughs> what, what were they pitching that everyone went? Nah, nah you're all right. <laughs> nah. Sorry, Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce and Chadwick Boseman. No, thank you. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Did they have a director? I think I think Helgen would have directed it because it was uh, uh, Curtis Hansen was the director of the first movie, but he had he had died by that point. So it was it was Helgeland. It was James Elroy who doesn't you know do a lot of stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I cannot fathom it. It's it's absolutely wild. It wouldn't cost that much, really. Come, I mean, in in sort of, you know, when you think how, about how much, like I don't know, like Doctor Strange would have cost, for example. Yeah, like it yeah. wouldn't have cost that much to make it. Surely, I I don't know. It's, it's a shame. That's madness. Madness. It's, we can scrape together. We can, yeah, we, yeah. Let's we let's uh, have a little lottery win, and we'll we'll stick it together, and yeah. Let's do a crowdfunder. Let's make it happen. Let's make I it like happen. That. I like how this podcast is ending on a downer. Chris. <laughs> Should I bring it back up again? Should I bring it back up? Go for it. <laughs> I mean, it's like I've got nothing. <laughs> really, really bleak movies. <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure, but this is going to be our end of season. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Okay. <laughs> what about the live die repeat sequel? Have you got any thoughts about what that would be? No, like, I don't actually. I'm I'm fascinated because I I I think that's one where they won't just re- retread. Uh, they won't just live die repeat repeat. Yeah. Um So I yeah. think they'll do something really new and fresh with that concept. Um, and I'm very very excited to see what they do with it because it it could go absolutely anywhere because i watched that for the first time today since i watched it in the cinema a, year, a long time ago and hmm. like I, i've forgotten how good it is it's surprisingly good movie i thought in my head i'm like it though it's tom cruise blasty alien stuff and then i watched it again and I'm like it's a lot better than that yeah. it is a lot better than that it's a lot cleverer yeah. a lot more emotional it for me is his best movie. I think it's it's the best cruise. Um, <laughs> although Top Gun Maverick has has uh, stuck its oar in, and I love obviously the the Macquarie um, missions as well. But yeah, I think there's something about the movie. It, it it grows every single time I I watch it. It just seems to get better every single time I watch it, which is which is terrific. So yeah, I, I'd love to see the sequel for that one. You know, there there and there are movies as well that kind of end on cliffhangers that never got a sequel. Mm. And I'd like to see some of those and see whether you could do something with that. You know, I know there's been tentative talk over the years about doing a sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing, and that would absolutely ruin the first movie. You know, well, not ruin because I, I don't think that that concept really truly exists. Although Alien Three nearly destroyed Aliens for me, um, yeah, because of what it does to the to some of the main characters. Well, all the main characters actually. Um, but the first movie, the Aliens, still exists. We still have it. It's still an amazing film. And you know, if they made a terrible sequel to the thing, then you know, you'll also have. I think well, Christopher Nolan agrees with you about Alien Three because he 
famous famously no 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 Christopher Nolan famously said to Fincher like what what were you thinking what were you thinking (laughs) (laughs) you're thinking of James Cameron am I Um, oh yeah sorry yeah I didn't mean Christopher Nolan sorry so James Cameron said to Christopher Nolan he saw Tenet and he went (laughs) what were you thinking (laughs) no please seriously because I didn't understand that (laughs) yeah sorry explain it to me (laughs) sorry my yeah. brain, my brain is gone. I need a tenant sequel where the tenant sequel is basically just John David Washington and Robert Pattinson explaining what happened in the first movie. That's what the tenant sequel should be. <laughs> yeah. I would love that, you know, because I, I really need it. I saw that movie three times. I'm still none the wiser. But uh, but the thing, if they if they did a thing sequel, I know Frank Darabont. I think I think maybe Frank Darabont worked on a, a concept for a sequel that would have picked up exactly where the first movie ended with. One of one of the two guys at the end, Childs or, or McCready, being infected. Uh, you know, could you make that? Could you make it with Wyatt Russell, for example, who is a spitting image of his dad as McCready? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's you know the one you could make is you could finally resolve the cliffhanger of the Italian job. Um, mm. But but pick the it quite up. Literal cliffhanger. Literal cliffhanger. <laughs> but pick it up in real time. Michael Caine is still with us. Uh, they have been on that bus now for sixty years. <laughs> And we pick up, and he's the only person left alive. He has eaten the rest of his his crew in order to remain alive. And and then because of the the lack of weight of the bodies, the the bus tips back onto the motorway, and he's good again. And then, age ninety, Charlie Crooker gets thrown back into the game and has to do one last one last one last job. I'd watch it. I'd go. watch it. Yeah, that's, my, that's yeah. my big pitch. And of course, you guys know about the Heat sequel. That's uh, that's that's coming out in very different form uh, in August, I believe. Oh right, okay. A novel. No. Michael oh, Mann. Right. Okay. Michael oh. Mann has written, has co-written a novel uh, called Heat Two, which right. uh, progresses the story of the original Heat. Okay, I thought you was get, you were talking about a movie. I was like, how have I not no, heard about this? No. That'd be amazing, <laughs> wouldn't it? Can you imagine? But uh, but yeah, just a, just a novel, but a very interesting little way to mm. to go, I would say. You know, and if they made that as a film, how would you do that? You know, De Niro, well, De Niro wouldn't. Would they do Irishman? Yeah, do all the de-aging stuff. You would hope not, right? You would hope not. You would mm. hope not. Make them wear bigger yeah. shoes again. This is why they have to, they have to just, just make them the same age they are now, but just not mention it. Yeah. <laughs> same thing with uh, Italian Job. But that's, that's my big, that's my big pitch. If we're going to make, if we're going to make anything, if anything is going to come of this podcast, I want to, I want a deal to make the Italian Job too. Um, by the okay. end of next week, and it has to be Michael Caine, and it has to be that concept. <laughs> okay. he's Fantastic! A he's a cannibal, and he's feral, <laughs> and, he's, and, he's run, <laughs> and he's loose in the streets of Turin. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard sell. I'm not going to lie to you. Guys, I reckon but... Michael Caine would do it. You know, if we do Jaws four, then you know yeah. he'll do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He wouldn't have to speak because he's he's lost the power of speech. He's def- he's devolved, uh, Charlie, over <laughs> over sixty years. So he wouldn't even have to say things. You, you couldn't. You, you wouldn't have to do that thing you do in sequels where you really clumsily, you know, hit the beat to the last one or you get someone to say the same lines that were iconic. So instead of you know you're already supposed to blow the bloody doors off, he would go. <laughs> <laughs> And those were Chris Hewitt's unequal sequels. Oh, man, that was a good one. What a way to finish season three. Yes. Yeah. We always like to finish on a bang. 
<laughs> I just I think he's brilliant. I think that him as the host of the Empire podcast, he's I don't know if you've seen him do the Empire podcast live, but he's very funny, very knowledgeable. He can control a room and a pod and his mm. guests very well. And obviously the man knows his films and passionate about his films uh, and his picks were brilliant. And some of the ones I've been waiting for to talk about, to be honest. So, of course, his best was uh, Evil Dead 2. Yeah, Evil Dead 2. We have talked about Evil, the Evil Dead franchise with Nick Helm, didn't we? Back in Series 2. Yeah. So it's nice to delve back into that and and uh, pick up Evil Dead 2 as the best sequel. And we both watched it at yeah, 7 o'clock did. in the morning. Which is the, the perfect way yeah, to watch an Evil Dead great movie. time. I remember, again, when we did it with Nick, I was watching horror movies at 6 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, it's it it fun did. times. <laughs> and uh, the worst Zoolander oh, number two. Absolute pile of poop. Oh. Big old load of toilet. <laughs> Which, again, is on my... I go on about mm. this list I've made at the beginning of this of the worst sequels I've always shout about. And it was on there. Basically, now most of them have been covered. There are still one or two that oh, have not okay. been covered. Blair Witch 2 um, if anyone's listening that's a pretty it. bad sequel Zoolander 2 is awful I don't know what they're thinking I don't know how you can make a character that was quite likeable in the first one mm. so unlikable in the second one it feels like a film out of its time it's just not funny the cameos no. don't hit no you're right yeah I hate it can't really say anything more it. Dave you've, you've nailed it on the head and then his dream sequels he kind of threw a few out at us he did Commando that would be a good one Edge of Tomorrow yeah which is the one both me and you watched yeah, did, beforehand. Yeah. And then we also talked about a, a, a new Dirty Harry. Yeah. A Clint Eastwood film. But I'm not, I didn't want to say it while talking to Chris because I don't like to look stupid, but I can't remember what, what is in the Dirty Harry films. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. all roll in. I don't know how many of you've seen, but they kind of all roll into one. The only one I can really remember is the famous one. Do you feel the first one? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first one. Is that that first yeah. one? Then I don't remember any others. No. No, I don't think I've seen any others um, other than that first one. I don't. My dad think... did say the other day when I said about them, he said, oh, I've got them all in box set if you want to buy them. <laughs> They're sort of dad kind of movies. I, I feel like that's kind of... Well, Clint Eastwood is a very dad sign kind yeah, of yeah. movie star, isn't he? I guess he? so, yeah. But thank you so much for Chris for finishing season two. He had been on the list for a while of people to get and we annoyed him and we bugged him <laughs> persistence paid off Dave persistent yeah persistence <laughs> and it took a while yeah and he did warn us yeah he did he did say on. to us when we first spoke to him he was like um, yes you know famously unavailable <laughs> <laughs> we got him thank you thank you thank you this season's been amazing we'll cover all of that next week when we do our yeah. best bits episode or some of our best bits yeah we'll, we we'll can... do a nice round up episode of season 3 with a, with lots of the best bits of the season on and there are so many of them we can't fit them all in so it's just going to be a few not, of the mental. best bits because um, otherwise it'd just be like a four hour long podcast and then we'll get emotional yeah we will yeah I'm yeah. not going to get emotional on this one I'm going to get save that we'll get emotional on the next step the next episode the... so this is the official end of uh, series 3 yeah but the best of is the unofficial that's a little bonus for everyone and that's when I can sleep yes yeah oh no actually no you can't because we're starting to record series four ne next week <laughs> this is true <laughs> no sleep for you Dave <laughs> we, we go again guys we're coming back for season four. Oh yeah there's the announcement we are, we are. We, we'll be back for season four in September 
So season four will be back in September um, and we are already starting to record guests. So we... And annoy and, them. Yeah, and if we annoy you, if you happen to, to get a message on Twitter of us annoying you to be a guest, it's because we love you, basically. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. We don't ask people on go. that we don't love. So there we go. <laughs> that's very true. And respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds like, sounds like I don't respect some people, but if I don't... Uh, <sighs> Talking of things that uh, that I don't respect, uh, are Twitter. <laughs> you can find us on all the social medias. Uh, we are at Unequal Sequel on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also send us an email. We are unequalsequelhotmail.com. Hopefully by the time season four launches, I will have finished the website. So we will have a website for you to visit as well. I know I've been saying this for ages, but we're working on it. And hopefully we should be launching some Patreon stuff too. So we'll have some special fan-only stuff where you can get involved and be an extra super fan of Unequal Sequel. So keep your ears and eyes peeled for that. If you're a big Chris Hewitt fan and you've just tuned in for the first time, maybe you're a big fan of the Empire Film Podcast and you thought, do you know what, I'll check these guys out too, and you've liked what you've heard, go back. We've got three seasons of interview episodes. We've got loads of extra episodes for you to listen to. Click that subscribe button, and every time we release a new one, it'll drop into your inbox. Happy days. While you're at it, if you want to leave us a review, we would absolutely love that. Five stars a nice little heart, a nice little tick, even write some words if you're in your if your pod shop of choice allows that. We would absolutely love it. And finally, if you just tell your friends, tell if you think, oh, I know someone who'd like that that podcast, let them know. Point them our way. We'll love we'll love that. We'd like new people all the time. So yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah. Great outro, mate. Yeah, if you are an Empire listener and you've only first time you've listened to us we've also had the brilliant helen o'hara mm. she was our first ever guest go back check that out because that was also brilliant excuse the minor audio details it was our first episode <laughs> if you agree with or disagree with chris's picks let us know get in contact we will read things out at the end of the month on our monthly roundup it's our new thing uh we love people to get in touch with us we're great i've got nothing else to say apart from season three best bits next it's week been emotional next week and that's so it's a poopy from me it's a what now it's a poopy poopy <laughs> a poopy basically i'm basically i'm trying to say bye in minion oh right okay that's minion is it yeah. all right poopy <laughs> so it's a bye from me and it's a bye from him bye go out and live your best life have fun <laughs> poopy what are you about <laughs>